0: to Xavier Reese and the simple truths of being thankful to a faithful god enters gates with thanksgiving
1: and escorts with praise to be thankful to him and bless his name because his mercy was everlasting his truth endures to all generations god's faithful every generation to reach out to every sinner that's ever born to this world because he doesn't want anybody to perish how thankful we should be that god's so faithful
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Economist John Galbraith is known for describing America's post-World War II economy as the affluent society, with the realization that we've been consumed not by material poverty, but a gross national product that outruns consumer demand. We are the first society in history that has had to create need. And so, turning to Psalm 100 today, Pastor Xavier points out three important simple truths that make up a thankful heart toward a God of great blessing worthy of our praise. He begins with the text for today's special holiday study.
1: Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Psalm 100 here provides that proper expression of thanksgiving as we come before God. It's talking about the Old Testament, and it's characterized by three things. First, we have the way we are to come to God, the personal command in verse 1 and 2. Secondly, we have the truth we're to know about God, the personal perspective about God in verse 3. And then, thirdly, in verse 4 and 5, the posture we are to have towards God, the personal practice. So it begins by the way we are to come, the personal command here, verse 1 and 2. Notice the believer is to make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. The joyful shout here is to be like a blowing of a trumpet, the shout of victory, a great celebration. Now, notice the audience is all inclusive, all you lands. Notice the entire earth, regardless of their geographical location, was to express and um, consequently hear that joyful shout. We understand that the conversion of the Gentiles included in God's plan back in Genesis twelve three, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God understood. That in the Old Testament he's dealing with the Jew but there was coming a time when he would deal with the Gentile and Jew and Gentile would be one in Christ Jesus now notice in verse 2 the believers are to serve the Lord Yahweh with gladness the implication is that it was their privilege to serve the Lord Yahweh their service being motivated by love for God in response to his love for them notice there in 2 still the believer here to come before him his presence with singing he says Singing was and is a unique mark of a Jewish individual and the Christian. We are about the only ones that really have something to sing about. We get our sins forgiven. We get a clean slate. We are given the spirit of God to be able to live above our sin nature. We are given eternal life. We are given great and precious promises. We have access to heaven anytime we need to. We can go to the Word of God, have wisdom to seek the Lord when we're in trouble. Such privilege we have. The songs I sing to Jesus are before His presence as an affection of my love for Him. That's all. Due to His grace for saving me, due to His worthiness to be worshiped for who He is. The personal command describes the way we are to come to God in joyful singing. Notice secondly in verse 3, the truth we are to know about God, this is the personal perspective. The believer was to know that the Lord Yahweh, he was God. The word God, as you know, is Elohim. It's used of the Creator throughout the book of Genesis The opening chapter, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim there is capitalized because he is the true and only living God. And it's a plural in our image, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What a great place to put the Trinity, right in the first verse. The believers were to know that they were his people, the sheep of his pasture. The picture cannot be missed. Sheep are very vulnerable. Defenseless. The world tells us, "Ah, you can do it," and you know you don't have to take that. And that's true you know, to an extent. You've got to be able to stand up, stuff like that. But, but as we come to the law, we know that. I mean, what, what really do you have control of in your life? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. He calls us sheep, vulnerable, defenseless. Nothing more defenseless than sheep. A bunch of sheep. They're dumb. They're vulnerable, and they stink. Not a very pretty side guy, gives says, up. But he says, I love him. <laughs> our worth, listen to me, our worth is that he loves us. He doesn't love us because we're worthy. He doesn't love us because I have something worthy that he wants. What makes it all worthwhile is that he initiates that love. And now my life has value because he's in me. There's the value, ladies and gentlemen. Not in myself. The picture is also one of providing for his sheep. He was their faithful provider for food, protection. He would give them the early and latter rains. In the wilderness, their shoes never wore out, nor their clothes for 40 years. He took care of them. God saved each of us, knowing everything we have ever done or ever will do. And in spite of all that, he loves us. As we yield to him by his spirit. He died while we were without strength. He died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 6. I presume you qualify. God demonstrated his love towards us and that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. He didn't die for good people. He died for sinners. Both of those thieves were sinners. The one said, You know, this man's done nothing. You and I, we we, we deserve what we get. They both reviled Jesus. Then, halfway through, the other one said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. Both men equally distant, both men equally heard, one accepted, one rejected. Now, if you're a Calvinist and you're telling me the one that rejected because he wasn't predestined and the other one that accepted because he was predestined, then you've got to blame God for condemning the man and never giving him a chance. Which way you want it? Either they both had the, right, the same chance or God's the author of, of sin. Which one is it? For God to judge you rightfully, he has to give you a chance. If he doesn't give you a chance, he can't be holy, he can't be good. He's got to be the worst God ever that's presented himself. It's always our choice, ladies and gentlemen whether we end up in heaven or hell, not God's. He lives to make, ever living, or make intercession for us daily, as Hebrews 7.25 says, constantly. God opens door and allows each of us to communicate to others the miraculous work that he's done in our life. Sometimes it's a family member, other times it's a friend, other times it's at work or whatever it may be. Sometimes just down the grocery store, whatever it is. You never know where God is going to use you. Where God's going to open that door? Sometimes you're in a hurry and you just can't believe it, and all of a sudden here go, oh, you're all mad, and then you know, and the person asks you a question about the Bible or whatever, and you he accepts the Lord, now you're all joyful. But you know, you, you're such in a hurry, you're so caught up. I mean, so many things. You know what I mean? And sometimes those things happen, and we're just so knuckle. We don't. We're not even aware of it. You know, and we just think we're just. Uh, and God says, man, <laughs> it's amazing. We're able to refute evolution and humanism and everything else that, that contradicts the word of God, that makes no sense at all, that defies everything we see in, in, in the world. We should be thankful to God that we can see clear what the reality of life is, that we can see clear why the world is so messed up because the fall is real. If the Bible record of the fall is not real, then explain to me this evil world. If you believe man is good, I presume all of you locked your car up tonight. Why'd you do that? Man's good. Because you know someone go Christmas shopping real early if you leave your keys in there. That's why. Be aware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ, Colossians 2.8. Do you thank God that you can tell truth from there? Do you thank God that you can respond to people and give them the word of God? You can give them the gospel with simplicity? That you can say, no, that's not right. That's a lie. That you have wisdom that PhDs wish they had. And Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2.3 says. James says, ask without doubting, and he will give to you. God will provide all things for our life. And as we move through life, we know the priorities. First, the kingdom of God. And as righteous, then everything else is added unto us. Matthew 6:33. When we get confused, we start seeking the things, God just removes certain things. Or worse yet, listen to me, he'll give you over to the things, okay? Be careful what you pray for. When God chases me, that's good. If God hands me over to what I'm doing, that's not good. That's worse. The promise is to impart wisdom to us over and over again. If we depend upon him, as I said in James, and the thankfulness that he is so faithful in regardless of what we go through and our sufferings, our difficulty whether it be our marriage, whether it be in school, whether it be with relationships, whatever, that he is a faithful creator in 1 Peter 4.19. In our sufferings, we're to remember that. Anybody can rejoice when things are going good. (laughs) Any one of us can It's when we go through those difficult times of relationships or marriage or the kids or school or the job or the finances and we seek the Lord and He opens the door and He deals with our heart and He provides and He does things that only you know that you've asked for in their closet and no, you've told nobody. And God, here He is. He gives it to you. And you just go, Lord, it's just you and Him, nobody else. And you understand that. No one can take that from you. That's the goal that you impart to your children. That's the goal you impart to your grandchildren. That's the goal that you give out to those who are hungry for God. You don't learn that from books, you learn that from life, and you just thank Him and you worship Him. The personal perspective declares what we are to do and what we're to know about God. He created us. He created us. Can you imagine that? Notice, lastly, four and five. The posture we are to have towards God. This is the personal practice. The believer was to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, thankfulness for who he was, God. Thankfulness when they came before him at the temple there on their way to Jerusalem. When they came to pray, to ask certain petitions, even as Hannah went and asked that the Lord would give her a child. <laughs> and he did. Thankfulness just to be able to approach him. The gates represent access to God, able to enter into his presence, authority, leadership. The believer was to enter into his courts with praise, he says, singing songs and hymns and adoration to him, songs of worship to his name, for his person. Singing praises to him were appropriate, for they were in his courts, notice. The place he had chosen for them to come and to be one with him his courts, his temple. Then the believer was to be thankful to him and bless his name. The word thankful, the Hebrew means to throw, to shoot, or to cast. The idea being an expression of words or to take aim. When you go shooting, you aim at the bullseye because we have the understanding of God, the word of God, that I'm to aim with my words and be accurate in my praise and my worship because I know who He is. He lives in me, and I live with Him, and He walks with me, and I walk with Him, and I experience Him speaking to me, directing, protecting me, guiding me, so I can worship and praise Him accurately. Bullseye. Articulating heartfelt gratitude about God, who He is, and what He does. The gratitude was to Him, God, no other God, no other person, but He, And the response was to bless his name, notice. The word blesser is his name has the idea of commending, saluting, or giving honor to his name, Yahweh, the becoming one. No one like him. No one like him at all. He's the perfect God. He's the most loving God. He's the most just God. The epitome of holiness. Notice five, the believer was to do all this, Because the Lord, Yahweh, was good. The goodness is one of God's attributes, as you know. The goodness of God is immutable. The attribute that describes God as unable to change. He can increase, he can decrease. Immutable. In goodness, for better or worse, the goodness of God endures continually. The problem is that we don't always see or understand or perceive the goodness of God when we want our own way. We're like our children towards us. They think we're the worst parents when we say no or when we redirect them or re-instruct them because they're so set on their mind and their will that they're close to the good. And we are like that sometimes with God, but he's very patient. He's very good with us. God's attribute of goodness is responsible for man's potential for goodness through, though he is never perfect nor consistent until he's born again, and then he's consistent when he walks in the Spirit. Apart from God, we can't do it. We're very inconsistent. Notice the believer was to enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his course with praise, to be thankful to him and bless his name for two specific reasons, because his mercy was everlasting. Mercy is another one of his attributes. Mercy is the extension of his goodness. The attribute of God's mercy is usually related to a person in misery, distress. Mercy speaks of God's innate desire to pity, to Secure somebody in need. It's the root word. It means kindness, eagerness. It also expresses faithful devotion to covenant love. Steadfast love. It's a covenant word. Notice secondly is because his truth endures to all generations. You talk about being thankful. That his truth is imparted every generation. The generation of your grandparents and my grandparents, they heard the gospel some accepted, some rejected. They died. The next generation came. God preached the gospel again through instruments. Some rejected, some accepted. Now it's our generation. Some are going to accept, some are going to reject. If the Lord tarries, our generation will die. The next one will come. God's faithful every generation to reach out to every sinner that's ever born to this world. Because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Yet he knows that many and most will perish because they will reject the gospel. Wow how thankful we should be that God's so faithful. Would you allow the gospel to be preached in the next generation after having the evidence of how many people rejected the first generation? I'd say, forget you guys. God doesn't say that. He weeps. He wants no one to perish. His truth was steady and consistent. In other words, reliable. His truth never changes it's the same for every generation. And that's what's weird today in the church. The emergent church is changing the word of God. It's preaching a different gospel, a different kingdom. God's truth is the same. The text always means the same thing to every generation, and you start messing with the interpretation of a text. Now you're altering the gospel. His truth would be reaching out to every generation and be effective for their salvation. The gospel has never lost one iota of efficiency to save one rotten sinner. No matter how depraved he may be, the blood of Jesus Christ will make him whiter than snow. It's immutable, the grace of God. It can increase, it can decrease. You go down the Pacific Ocean, you take one bucket of water, rather, you just decrease the Pacific Ocean by one bucket of salt water. You take all the sinners from the beginning of Adam to the present day that have been saved. It has not even affected the grace of God. It's the exact same amount. It's immutable. It's efficient. And we understand that. What kind of praise and thanksgiving should we give to God? Amazing. Jesus one day was in the home of Simon the Pharisee. A woman came and expressed her thanksgiving to Jesus, as you remember. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her own hair hair on her head. And you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You see, Simon saw a prostitute. Jesus saw a sinner seeking forgiveness. There's the difference. When you're a Christian, regardless of who you see, you see that as a potential candidate for salvation. (laughs) And the worse they're off, the more candidate there are for it, (laughs) the more they need it. But sometimes we look at the good moral person over here and has a PhD and has got a good family and everything else, and and we say, oh man, he's almost there. And he's further away from the kingdom than the guy who's so depraved. We never know. And a good moral person may never come. Remember the guy who wrote the song Amazing Grace, Newton? He was a devout sinner, slave trader. We give thanks to God. And bless his name for demonstrating his faithfulness to us. It causes us to become greater dependent upon him. As we've seen his faithfulness through the years, we want to lean more on him. We, want to, we don't want to be clever. We don't want to be creative. <laughs> we just want to follow his lead. That's all. The goodness of God makes him the good shepherd good shepherd it's bottom line it's what he is and for that we have to give him thanks personal practice describes the posture we are to have towards God grateful for his consistency towards us he is so consistent those of you who are parents the one thing that your children are looking towards you for is consistency consistency They will live with you for 18 years. A third of that time, they will sleep. That gives you 12. A third of that time, they will spend in some form of institution, hopefully not correctional. That gives you six. The first three, they're rugrats. That leaves you three years. Your children are watching you in the eighteen and they're looking for consistency. So when they grow up and they leave the home, they know exactly what their dad and their mom is doing that Monday morning. They know exactly where they're going to be. They know exactly where they're at because of the consistency through those years that brings stability to your children and your grandchildren and your home because you are stable. You are consistent as your God remember the proper manner for thanksgiving when you come before God (laughs) the personal command describes the way we are to come to God in joyful singing the personal perspective declares what we are to know about God he created us and the personal practice describes the posture we're to have towards God grateful for his consistency man time flies just yesterday I accepted the Lord over here in Beverly Boulevard where we were practicing for a Kung Fu demonstration and my brother and I were doing a Kung Fu routine with some sticks and the stick broke and punctured my right eye and my right eye deflated and I accepted the Lord right there just like yesterday 40 years later here I stand To see all that God has done, it's just amazing.
0: How can you not thank Him? Pastor Xavier Reese, making an appeal that we recognize the blessings of God and give the thanks and praise due His holy name. And as always, you can hear this message again if you like online, anytime, by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And this special Thanksgiving study is available to anyone who makes a request. We just ask that you include $4 to help cover the costs involved. And the title you'll be asking for is A Heart of Thanksgiving. And by the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now that title once more is A Heart of Thanksgiving. Just address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, California. 91107 Again, that's Simple Truths 2200 East Colorado Boulevard Pasadena, California 91107 And please be sure to include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Have a blessed Thanksgiving and then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Rees.